Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Talking Trading. I'm financial journalist Caroline Stephen. Our guest today is stock market wizard Mark D. Cook. From his 1870s farmhouse in Ohio, we speak to Mark about his trading journey. Mark gained acclaim by winning the 1992 US Investing Championship with a blistering return of 564%. In 2001, he was featured in Jack Schwager's Stock Market Wizards, and he's also been featured in 12 other trading books, profiling his style and methodology. In today's interview, we talk about how an extroverted farmer became a trader. That famous option story where Mark blew not only his own money, but his family's money up, and he went into serious negative net worth. We talk about the Cook Cumulative Indicator, and why he entered the U.S. Investing Championship. Mark calls himself a blue-collar trader, where he makes a bit of money every day. His credo is, if I trade, I will make money. Today is part one of our interview together, and next week we'll feature part two. As with all the top traders, Mark is passionate and professional about his trading. He is by far the most extroverted market wizard I have interviewed, I hope you enjoy his trading journey. Mark D. Cook, Stock Market Wizard. Hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Mark, it's fantastic to have you on the show. I'm going to give a short intro. You live in a 125-year-old farmhouse in East Sparta, Ohio, which has a population of 1,000 people. Your farm is where you go when you feel stressed out and you do farm work in conjunction with your trading. You've even been known to conduct speeches in your farming overalls. Mark, how did an extrovert farmer end up being a trader? Well, that's a very interesting question, and a sequence of events in my life have taken some unique directions, I guess, over time. I always wanted to be a trader. I was always very interested in that, even when I was in college. So I, I'm attracted to numbers. I like to do math in my head. I like the challenge in regard to it. But the path to where I am speaking to you today started with a cow, and that cow was called Elsie the Cow, from Borden Dairy here in the States. And what that was, she was a mascot or a logo for this particular dairy, which was very well known back in the early 1970s. And during that time, they selected various people to escort her around the country. Well, in doing that, I got to go with a celebrity, you know, 
And I always told everybody that I had a girlfriend in regard to it. Didn't tell anybody that she had four legs because they'd have thought I was a little bit more perverted than I am. When we took her around, that got me initial exposure to speaking events in regard to it. Well, anyway, to make a, a long story shorter, we did television spots, we did radio spots, and I was always a spokesperson, but I also escorted her. And I went uh, graduated in agricultural business from college, so on my resume, when I submitted to them uh, that I was selected to do, I fit in because I could take care of an animal and also that I'd be able to speak publicly. Well, anyway, when I first wanted to be in this business, I interviewed all over the place, and I could not get hired except uh, at this particular brokerage firm that I went into. And the one secretary, after she had scheduled, scheduled the interview, she came out and she says, you're Mark Cook. And I said, yeah, what I do wrong. And she goes, you're pretty well known. And I said, I am. She goes, yeah, I saw you on television with your girlfriend. And I thought, which one? And she goes, oh, you know who I'm talking about. And finally it dawned on me, she had seen at one time me doing an interview or television spot or, well, it turned out they gave me the interview, not because of my acumen, my background, you know, my aptitude or whatever. They wanted to interview me about the cow. So I got the interview and sat down. I sat down with, they brought a, a gentleman in from New York City to interview. Now, this is like an interview of a big city person interviewing a country bumpkin. So you can imagine how that interview went. But, you know, I'm kind of genuine and I got him laughing and, and things. And I, and I said, uh, after we're done, he goes, well, I'll be back to you. And that was the end of it. I thought, well, I'll never hear anything back. Well, I think it was the next day or whatever. This secretary came out, or she called me, and she says, we want to bring you in for an aptitude test in regard to guess. I got hired. And the reason I got hired was because she liked me so much. And you figure out that the secretaries are the ones that make the decision, not yes. the guy in the three-piece suit. <laughs> Were you flirting with her? Uh, no, I never do that. <laughs> but anyway, so I worked there, and I worked there for three years, and uh, I got national acclaim. I, I was in a national publication at that called the Registered Rep. Now I don't know if you've done that much background. That was back in 1980, so that goes back a ways. Well, that's the first nat national exposure I had. Well, after that, I was courted, but I wanted to, and I was a stockbroker at that time. I wanted to be a trader and a market analyst, a technician, anything in regard to that. But, of course, being a country bumpkin, nobody considered me for a job like that. So, anyway, I worked my way through the ranks, and I became an options principal for another firm that I went to. Then I became a branch manager at another firm that I went to. And all the while, from 1980 on, I was speaking in a lot of different places. But I love the market, and I always invested my own money, and I learned from that period of time. And I was addicted to it, and it still does. Here, 40 years later, I still get an adrenaline rush every day trading. I love it. It's, it's been the best career for me I ever could have had. 
Uh, I've made more money trading than I could have in any other career that I would have tried to embark. So it's it's been a blessing for me. June 16th, 1982, a day that will live in infamy for you, Mark. What happened that day? Well, it's nice you want to bring up my bad past and ruin my day. But anyway, that's I could tell you're just into this. What happened on that particular time, I, I got to lead up to this. I was an options principal, as I mentioned, at this particular firm. And in fact, I had gotten to an elevated point to where I helped the Amex in setting up some of their indices that they had. Because you have to remember back in that era of time, derivatives were pretty much in their, their infancy. During that time, I, as I said, I was a mathematician, and I would figure out option premiums. Well, I found this situation uh, whereby this particular stock that I was involved with, I was doing options on it, and I had just too much size on at a particular time. Well, the, the stock in itself was manipulated, which I think is kind of interesting, because in that era of time versus this era of time now, the manipulation that happened then by, and they identified who this fellow was in this company or whatever, they would have been locked up. But I got caught in the manipulation of the squeeze that they did on the thinness of the stock, and I had sold some calls naked in regard to that period of time, and I got caught in it. Well, you know, a lot of people say, well, I lost a lot of money or I lost some money or, or I got wiped out. I went into a negative net worth. Mm-hmm. And really, because my margin call that I had was far beyond the amount of money and, and the wherewithals that I had to meet. But the irony of it is that had I been able to meet that margin call, six months later, I would have been a millionaire because it turned my direction. And that's one of the points that I teach people that timing is everything in regard to trading or swing trading or position trading in regard to that. And that's the most important thing. You know, uh, the situation that I encountered during that time was basically a situation that was interesting because I got caught in something that was very much illegal. The interesting thing was, Years later, as I said, I had talked to several of the market wizards after I got to meet them, and one of the other market wizards got caught in the exact same circumstance at the exact same time, but they didn't want to divulge that, you know. I talk about everything, so, uh, but that was the turning point for me, and I remember the day it happened, I had this incredible margin call, I was basically wiped out, I had some of my mom's money involved in it also. I called her that morning to come over to the farmhouse. And I said, Mom, I need to talk to you. And she said, well, what's going on? I said, come on over. We'll sit down and talk. Well, I remember that morning I looked out the window and I saw her parked out there and I saw her walking up the walk. She was walking so slow, which is not my mom. She's a high-energy person. She came in. And I said, sit down here on the couch, Mom. And she kind of looks up at me, and she said, what's the problem, Mark? And I said, we lost a lot of money, Mom. She goes, oh, thank goodness. I said, thank goodness. She goes, I thought you had cancer. And, boy, that put everything into perspective. 
And after we talked, I was just devastated. I thought everything was over here. I'm an option principal at a big firm, and I just got obliterated by options. How's that going to look like? And, and all in regard to that. She turned to me and she said, how soon will you be able to get this money back? And I hadn't even thought about that. That, that was the furthest thing from my thought, and I just pulled something out of my hat. Uh, I said, well, five years, Mom, which I had no idea how to get the money back or had the wherewithals. And she said, well, if you do it in 10 years, you'll be successful. Well, within five years, I was a millionaire. So just what she had said, those carefully placed words, at the right particular time, turned my career around. I was ready to quit. I didn't quit from there. And I've, I've told this story many times as an inspiration to people because I, have a, I do mentoring here in my, my office trading complex. And the situation that I always, I, I impart this particular situation more to tell people you're always going to have a failure period of time in your own mindset, but it's probably not as bad as this situation was, and it just demonstrates that you can come back from that. So I kind of talk about it as a testimony of what turned me around, and then from that point forward, I was just impeccable, disciplined, and religious about risk management in regard, and I would never put too much size in any one circumstance, and I started digging myself out of the hole. As I said, within five years, I got all the money back and turned it into uh, being a millionaire. By that time, I learned a lot because now I saw what I needed to see rather than the greed aspect that I had going into this. I think you've answered all my questions without me needing to ask them. Okay, it was nice talking to you. Goodbye. <laughs> but hang on, next chapter, next chapter. 1986. What happened in your trading by 1986? Well, after the demise situation, I did an incredible amount of studying on the market. Uh, I love the market. I love all aspects of the market. I love studying the different viewpoints, the environment, the sediment, overbought, oversold indicators in regard to it. So I kept a diary, and the diary was each and every day of how the market movements were. Well, I started noticing this thing with the New York Stock Exchange tick, which is an indicator of the movements coordinated on price and volume. Uh, it's pretty intricate to explain how it works, but in the overall viewpoint, I would notice these certain situations whereby the market would get overextended, either to the upside or the downside. And I thought, wow, this is pretty consistent. And that's one of the big things with my trading is I'm very consistent and I preach this. So you have to recognize probabilities. You have to act upon these probabilities. And if the probabilities aren't stacked where you have an edge, you just do not participate. So anyway, I, this CCT, as I call it, is my proprietary indicator. And what it is, is a cumulative of price movements overlaid on volume movements. And it's also done with a time component. And the quicker the time component is exercised to get you in an overbought situation or an oversold situation means the pressure is that much greater. And what it is, it's an inflection point in the market 
in a very not narrow time frame or a very elongated time frame. So I discovered this, and from 1986 to 1990, uh, I researched with my own money in regard to it, and it is during this period of time that I was able to turn my trading into the million-dollar category because I just reacted to what this told me. I got rid of my opinions, and that's one of the things that I preach to people all the time is lose your opinion, not your money. So always what the market is telling me, that's what I look at at that particular time, not what I think or what my impressions are, but the hard facts of what these numbers represent. More of Mark D. Cook right after the break. Louise Bedford here from tradinggame.com.au. You might know that there are three people who bring you this incredible free weekly trading podcast. Me, Chris Tate, my business partner, and Caroline Stephen, financial journalist and host of the Talking Trading Show. We want to spread the word and we want your help. You will know somebody who is interested in trading in your friendship circle, maybe at work, perhaps at the gym. This week, suggest that they go to talkingtrading.com.au and register their details. You see, good people know good people. And we want to make the Talking Trading community something that we can all be proud of. You have been the most amazingly responsive group of listeners, and we know that you'll think of somebody who will benefit from this world-class information. Go forth and find one person this week. And now back to stock market wizard, Mark D. Cook. Why did you enter the U.S. Investing Championship? I'm very competitive in nature. That's just kind of my mindset. That, at that particular time, was very well known. That in the late 1970s into the 1980s, that was the contest throughout the world. And it's not like a lot of contests are today. This was hard money. You had to put up your own money. You had to provide your own statements. They audited your returns that you provided to them from this association uh, in California. Uh, they had different categories you can enter. And I happened to enter the option trading category. And uh, I basically, and I had known others that had been in this contest, including other stock market wizards. And I thought, wow, I'm going to get to compete against the best, the best known, renowned people throughout the world. And I just wanted to see how I could do. And I thought if I could get in the top 10, I thought, well, if no one else would, I would pat myself on the back. But anyway, I was fortunate enough. And another thing that I did in preparation for this, I, I prepared for this 1992 contest in all of 1991. I had been in it in 1989 before, and I understood a little bit of the mechanics of how it worked. So the next time, this was a full year, full, full annual contest, but I did all of 1991, and I wrote a business trading plan specifically for this contest, which I've carried forward ever since that period of time. So anyway, the motivation uh, was basically that to see how I could do versus other people. I got to meet uh, 
fact, the gentleman who finished second to me, I got to know him very well because I talked to him on the phone frequently, you know, to try to psych him out so he would do badly. <laughs> no, that's not true. But anyway, I did, uh, I did talk to him, and, and that, that really put me on the map, so to speak. I wrote for Barron's uh, magazine, uh, Barron's, which is the sister magazine, the Wall Street Journal. I did commentary for them for five years after that time, and, and it was all because winning this U.S. investing championship, and fortunately, we had a 563% return the year we won it. Stay tuned next week to hear part two of Mark Cook's interview where he discusses his work ethic, his winning percentage of trades and how persistency breeds consistency. I'm Caroline Stephen on behalf of the team here. Thanks for your company. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.